Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Well, I'm kind of flying solo today. I'm going to do a, an episode without Laura. This is episode 42, I believe. We're jumping into it, and I've got a friend here as a guest, my buddy Ty Fance. Good to have you here, man. It's good to be here. you got a nice house, bro. Well, thank you. I met Ty a few years ago at Far West. It's a folk singer, songwriter, storytelling convention. Were you heading up the storytelling there? I was invited to do a workshop. And then also do a show. So I wasn't heading up, but I did bring a lot of my friends in to tell stories that day. Right, right. So what happened was I was sitting there listening to these stories and I'm like, I like the way this guy tells stories. I think I came up to you afterwards and go, I tell stories like you. You did. And I was like, who is this guy? But I liked your energy. It was interesting because no one had ever done that to me before. So even though I was kind of in my own head about having performed just now, I was thinking to myself, oh, oh. Okay, and then you followed up with me. Well, the thing is, I used to tell stories quite a bit, and uh, then I kind of took a break. I got busy acting mm. in, in TV shows and stuff and having kids. Yes, Whoa. I did that. Yeah. 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 But actually, it's good for me because had it not been for family, I would have probably ended up being a comedian. Oh. Yikes. Oh, I wouldn't have you in here. No. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I wouldn't have, I would have been funny, but without substance. You know? Well, the story you told at Far West was a story about you as a boxer, a young boxer, mm. going to the gym, mm -hmm. going to a real gym. Not just your local gym, but it's when you went to a real gym. I'll have you come in and tell that story one of these days. That would too. be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. I, I like talking about getting beat up. Half of my stories are about getting beat up. What? Oh, yeah. my As a young kid, I got my butt kicked we, a lot. You know, okay, now, you, even though we didn't live in the same environment, we must have the same temperament. I know. I know. I, Oh, I was not a good fighter, though. I think you were pretty decent. I got what well, I was a problem. I was better than I wait. I was good, but I was not able to manifest that goodness in a good way. I, I Maybe you weren't my, as good as you thought you were. As I, I was good in the gym. That's what the rule was. I was excellent in the gym, but in the real fight. Not so much. You know what's going to be hard about recording that story is you do a lot of footwork, uh, boxing footwork. True. So we'll have to keep you quiet for that so we can record it. Can you add some padding feet or something? Why don't we wait till we get to okay, that fine. story? We'll fine. All right. I like that one, too. I just can't help it. All right. It is. So what's the name of the story? It's called Aunt Maud. It was interesting because I didn't know that she was that interesting until someone said, you had an interesting story about that lady in your neighborhood. What lady? I have the same thing where people will say, wow, you came up with that really interesting character. And I'm like, no, that's just somebody that's I knew real growing person. up. And that's why I want Ty to tell the story of Aunt Maud. I was a kid, Aunt Maud was this nice, older lady who used to live down the street from us. And we called her Aunt Maud, but she wasn't related to any of us in the neighborhood. We just called her Aunt Maud. She was about five foot three and a little on the plump side. And she wore this comfortable powder blue bathrobe. And her hair was always up in these big pink foam rollers. Those were pretty popular back then. And she used to wear these red fluffy slippers. Now, what really stood out was her black frame, oversized cat eye glasses with these thick lenses that made her eyes look big. 
pig. It also made her always look surprised. When my friends and I used to play football out in front of her yard, and we got too loud, she'd come outside. Boys, boys, and I tell y'all, can y'all just go on down the street with all that noise? Go on now, go on before you break something. She lived alone, and she didn't have a husband, and she didn't have any kids. So me and my best friend, Felix, we used to run errands for her. But uh, Felix was a year older than me and a lot more streetwise, you know. And I remember one time when we went to check up on her, and we were standing out there on the front of her porch. And he looks at me and goes, won't you knock on the door? I'm like, no, I'm not knocking on the door. You knock on the door. Come on, man, knock on the door. You're not scared, are you? Man, I ain't scared. I just don't want to knock on the door. And I don't care what you say. So I knock on the door for like five minutes. No answer. So then I turn to Felix. I'm like, oh, man, she's not home, man. Let's just leave. And he says, or well, maybe she's dead. The hell? Why she got to be dead? Because she old, man. She got to be, I don't know, 50? And I look at him like he lost his mind. At which time the door slowly creeps open and out pops this bouquet of pink and the biggest eyes you've ever seen staring at us. Boys, what y'all doing out here making all that noise on my porch? I don't told y'all about that. What y'all doing out here? Oh, Miss, hey, Mark, we, 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 we came to see if, see if you were okay. And, and Ty, we thought about you, since you didn't answer the door right away, he, he said you were dead. I didn't say she was dead. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Well, I ain't dead yet. Now, Aunt Ma didn't have a lot of money, but we love running errands for her because she used to pay us with these homemade baked chocolate chip cookies. And she didn't go cheap on the chips. She put it those big ones in there. Matter of fact, you couldn't pick up one of her cookies without getting chocolate all over your fingers, man. It was delicious. The only problem was we had to sit and listen to her talk before we got them. I remember this one time. We were over there at the house, sitting at the kitchen table. She had gone over to the stove, got the cookies, had them in her left hand, was walking toward me and Felix sitting at the table. Then she stopped three feet away from us with her right hand on her hip and said, Boys, I hope you understand how I appreciate you guys going to the stove for me because I can't get around like I used to. Matter of fact, a couple months ago, I had this pain in the back of my neck, and then it moved down to my hip and kind of marinated around there for a couple of days. Then it managed to get on down all the way to my ankle and swole that up some terrible. The doctor talking about I got hypertension and diabetes. And I'm like, how I get hypertension? And anyway, he gave me these pills. I took the pills, and sure enough, the ankle went down and stopped swelling. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. At which time she switched the cookies to her right hand, took a half a step, stopped, and went, oh, and then there was this pain in my left hip, and it went all the way down to my big toe. Hurt something fierce. Couldn't even walk, y'all. I said, you know what the heck with them? They're pills. I ain't taking them. The good Lord got it in his mind to take me. I'm just going to let it happen. And she paused and looked at us and said, Oh, listen to me going on and on about my pains. I know you guys want these cookies. Here, honey, here's your cookies. And I remember sitting there and I was eating my cookie. Just grubbing away. When I look over and I noticed in the corner, leaning up against the refrigerator, was this old double-barreled shotgun, old rusty thing. Looked like it was barely holding together. And I said to Ahmad, Ahmad, you, you, you got a shotgun? 
She says, oh, yes, honey. I bought that shotgun right after my, my husband died. I bought it for protection. And I called him Mr. Scatter. Me and Felix looked at each other and kind of laughed. And Felix said, Mr. Scatter? Why you call him Mr. Scatter? Oh, honey. You see, when I pointed at people, that's what they do. We start snickering. Like, that thing probably don't even work. And she heard us. And she said, oh, baby, don't you worry about that. It works just fine. Just fine. And she had that little twinkle in the eye when she said it. Anyway, Felix and I didn't believe it. I'm here to tell you guys, we loved her chocolate chip cookies. But what we loved more was what she grew in her vegetable garden. These big, red, juicy tomatoes. And I know you're thinking, juicy tomatoes? What? No, y'all don't understand. These tomatoes taste like apples. They were so juicy and so big. Man. To the point that me and Felix... We used to jump the fence that night, climb into her little garden, take a few of those tomatoes and go home eating them. We'd walk down the street, that juice would be dripping down in between our fingers, down our elbows, leaving a trail of evidence behind us. Now, a couple of weeks later, after we had ran the errands for Aunt Maude and uh, listened to her talk about how much gas she gets from eating broccoli, we sitting there eating our cookies, right? Matter of fact, Felix had already drank half his milk, and he had milk in his mouth at the time. And Aunt Ma looked at us and says, boys, boys, I need y'all help. Now, I had cookie in my mouth, and he had milk. We both know enough not to talk, so we just shook our head okay. She continued, you guys know anything about somebody taking my tomatoes? At which time, Felix projected out <laughs> this milk out of his mouth, and I damn near choked on my cookie. <laughs> Then Felix says, no, no, I don't know nothing about your, uh, your tomatoes. And she said, Boy, Ty, do you know anything about the tomatoes? No, ma'am, I, I, don't know, I don't know anything about nobody jumping your back fence and taking your tomatoes and, and then going home, eating them down the street. I don't know nothing about that. She said, mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, if I find out or catch anybody in my garden again, they behind going to be mine. That's right. I'm going to take Mr. Scatter, and I'm going to shoot him right where the good Lord split him. They gonna feel hot lead, and then they be dead. Felix and I tried to laugh this off, but she sounds serious. And then we took another look at the shotgun and realized, nah, that thing probably don't work. Now you would think the threat of hot lead in our behinds and death would discourage us from going back out there in that backyard and jumping that fence. Well, that very night we were up to our usual shenanigans. Crouched down right there in the garden, this time munching on these tomatoes. I remember I was mid-chew, and I heard a sound. I said, shh, did you, did you hear that? Felix was like, what? I mean, that, did you hear that? I don't hear nothing. I stood up and peered over the tomato bush toward the back porch. And I went, oh my God, dude, dude, I'm all sitting on the porch. And she got Mr. Scatter with her, bro. He was like, well, we should leave. I said, wait, wait, don't leave yet. Don't leave. Where do I say go? And before I could even finish that sentence, he was gone. He was gone like Jesse Orange on a 100-yard dash. And I was right behind him. Man, we raced through that garden, stepping on cucumbers, collard greens, and tomatoes. We ended up getting to the back fence at the same time. And when we were about to negotiate that, I heard the loudest explosion I'd ever heard. Boom! Boom! Flushed with adrenaline and a new purpose, I cleared that fence, and I was three blocks down the street before I realized what happened. I said, 
Well, needless to say, we didn't die. But I have to tell you what that felt like. It felt like someone had grabbed a handful of hot sand and slammed it against my butt as hard as they could. It was a couple of weeks before Felix and I physically and emotionally were okay enough to go check on Ahmad. So we're standing on the front porch, right in front of the door. And Felix looks at me and go, you going to knock on the door? Man, don't start that again. Don't even start that again. Oh, I don't know. I think you should knock on Shut up. So I'm knocking on the door, but at the same time, I'm saying, Ahmad, Ahmad, it's me and Felix. We, we, we came to see if you're okay and see if you're not dead. Don't start that, man. At which time, the door slowly creaks open again. And out pops this pink bouquet in those big eyes. Why y'all out here making all that noise? I don't told y'all about coming over here making all that noise and all that racket. Now, what, what, what's going on? Oh, we, we, we came by to see if you were okay and needed anything from the stove. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he said you were dead again. I'm not dead. But you two gonna be the next time I catch you in my garden. Mm-hmm. How's your behind? Mine still hurt. Mine still so too. Mm-hmm. Rock salt to do that to you. Burns like hell, but won't kill you. Hmm. I hope y'all learned y'all lesson. Uh, we did. I know I did. Did you? I know I did. Did you do? Yeah, I did. I, we did. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here's my little list, and here's my money. Now, don't forget to get all my change. And come on, hurry on back here now, because I'm going to put some cookies in the ovens for you guys. Unless you two want some tomatoes. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I think I'm going to stick with the cookies. What about you, Ty? Yeah, no, I'm good with the cookies, man. Uh, yeah, the cookies be fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, now, go on. Okay, I was sitting here in the studio as Ty was recording that story, and I didn't want to laugh. I know you like laughs. We love our laughs, but I didn't want to laugh because I want you to have a clean recording of the story. But there's some really funny stuff in that story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, my wife, when I tell stories, sometimes yeah. I laugh, and yeah. she says, stop laughing. Let the people laugh. I'm like, I can't help it sometimes, but you're having way too much fun. Well, that's kind of one of those stories, though. Exactly. It's really hard not to. Exactly. I mean, when you gave the description of her and your characterization of her, it's so... I, I can see the lady. I can see Aunt Maud. Aunt Maud. I grew up on my farm. We ate tomatoes right out of the garden, but they were ours. They were ours. <laughs> well, what's the fun in that? Because truthfully, if we'd asked her, she probably would have gave it to us. Oh, of course. But no, no, no. We're rascals. We had to borrow them. Yeah. yeah. We kept a salt shaker in the garage by the garden. And we'd rinse them off right there at the hydrant oh. and, and, and salt them and eat them like an apple. Uh, that's part of what I really liked about this story, because a lot of farm kids had grown up with the guys I grew up with. We ate tomatoes right out of the garden. Uh, we didn't get shot in the butt with yeah, rock well, salt. Yeah, that was the added flavor. See, either you can bring your own salt or, <laughs> or just, have it delivered. Or just pick <laughs> it out of your butt. Right. Uh, that's tasty, yes. Tasty, tasty. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a shock, though, uh, to know that that actually was a buckshot that you can make. 
Right. They actually did that. She loaded her own shells with. She must have been something when she was young. You know what I mean? Oh, you know it, man. That kind of understanding. Who would do that? Well, she did, but wow, just to think about it. And the thing is, you and Felix were good kids. You were helping her out. You didn't just do it for the cookies. You probably, oh, would you have just done it for the cookies? Well, yeah, um, but the tomatoes. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we, she didn't have money, but the cookies were great. They're great, but those, those tomatoes. And, uh, you know, that extra thrill of doing something we weren't supposed of to course, do. Of course, of course. And then she busted us. Another thing I like about your stories is I, do, I tell a lot of stories about my mom. Mm. You tell a lot of stories about your mom, but we grew up so differently. Yeah. You grew up in a rough neighborhood, didn't it had, you? You know, it's interesting. When you're there, you don't think it's that bad. Um, I think it got worse when we moved to Compton. Yeah, Compton's a pretty rough neighborhood. It was, it was pretty tough. I, I'm from Houston at the time, so I stood out like a sore thumb. I was a country boy compared to them. Oh, yeah. And they picked on me all the time. Oh, I bet. But mom, you know, she just had that, I would say, a little bit of street smarts with some love, you know, tough love, I guess a lot of people call it. But she had, she would put up with you to a certain extent, and then she laid the law down. That's just the right. way it was. And she smoked a cigarette, so she always had a cigarette, yes. right? Yes. Do your, uh, do your mom, you come, do you come home and your mom asking you what's going on? She would say to me, so what you do today? <sighs> mm-hmm. How much is going to cost me? <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> and it was that way because I was always into something. I was in baseball, football, uh, and then I tried acting. Yeah. I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I sucked. Um, <sighs> I, I'm just going to say this and uh, take it as a compliment. Mm. When you were doing Aunt Maud, it sounded like Richard Pryor mm. doing. Um, uh, Who's the old lady he goes to visit? Uh, Miss, Miss Rudolph. Miss Rudolph. He yes. goes to visit Miss Rudolph. I love... Well, he's an inspiration for me. Right. So is Cosby. And so is anyone who writes a good story. Anyone. I really mean that. Because I love storytelling. Yeah. And I love anyone who's willing to do it. And when it's really done well, man, you take me on that journey. And that's my goal. I want to take you to the moments. Uh, and and it's not, hopefully it's not even about me when I'm telling. I, I want it to be an experience for you. Right. So I, I've learned for me to pause for a moment if I get too giddy and start laughing. Right. To make sure I get the moment. Because when I don't, then it's just me. My wife says, you, you just told that story for you. That's, <laughs> that's, it's true when, Yo. when that happens. Right. But uh, I've come to appreciate people like yourself. Man, you tell a great story. Thank you. And uh, you have these great characters in the beginning, middle, and end conflict. I love that. It's like a little movie to me. Right. I sometimes will come back from the story salon, which is a place that Ty and I go to where, of course, we tell stories. Beverly Mickens is one of the producers, and she puts yes. together a great cast every every awesome. week. It's one of the longest-running storytelling shows it's, in L.A. You're right. It's over 25 years. Yeah. And she was, in addition to someone who brought me there for the first time, the way she presented it to you, open arms, no judgment, just tell us a story. I believed her. Mm -hmm. And I was intimidated by telling my real stories because I was, as a comic, I just make things funny. Right, right. But here I was, I was reaching for something more deep and with more content. And when she allowed me to explore this, man, I was hooked. Yeah. Going there, you have to tell a new story every time. So she forces us to keep writing. Now, I'm going to say something. You said you enjoy your stories sometimes so much. You, you, <laughs> yes. But there are stories. I, I talked to a storyteller who told a story that was so moving, but he cried in it. 
He said, what can I do to make that story better? And I said, you have to let us experience it. Mm -hmm. When you're that upset, it took us out of the story. You, you are actually you're on point with that. I had worked on a story about my older daughter and it was really tough because it was me telling people about some vulnerabilities that I had never really expressed out in public. And as I was doing that story, I had a hard time not crying. And someone actually, a good friend who was helping me develop the story, said to me, hey, I was really with you and I love that story and it's, it's going to be really powerful. Um, but you worried me. And when he right. said that, right. I felt that. I said, that's not the intent. And I need to understand how to get around that and have you have the experience and me not uh, cause you to worry. So that, I'm with you on that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let's talk about what's coming up next. Okay. You've produced a show, a storytelling show. What's it called? Yes, I did. It was called Off My Head. It is called Off My Head. It's on a hiatus right now. And it usually featured about five storytellers and myself, all true stories. And it was in Altadena at the coffee gallery backstage. And it was fantastic. And I, I will probably get back to that because it just, you cannot do it. But it's a lot of work to produce a That's show. That's the thing. You wouldn't think it is, but it is. And I don't know how Beverly, and well, she does have other producers at right. the Story Salon. But right. to do it every week, every now and then you'll get a call and she'll go, somebody backed out at the last minute. Can you tell a story? Yes. <laughs> and fortunately, because of the uh, openness of her environment, it doesn't have to be a finely tuned story. It could be one that you're roughing out, which, which is great. That's where I try out new stories. I, I appreciate that. So I'm, I'm of the mindset that, to want to do that. Uh, if she calls me, and even if I don't have an idea, um, excuse me, a, a completed story, I think I can go up and give a, a, a good story on even something that's roughed out right, right. at this point, because I'm so comfortable. Right. She's made me so comfortable. Well, and it's a really safe room. It is. It's a loving group. It is. Hey, we've got a show coming up December 18th from 2 to 4 out in Pasadena at the Portico's Art Space. Is that what Yes. They're doing a art community festival that is based on the holidays, but the theme isn't the holidays per se. Okay. They're going to offer some art. There's going to be music. And they offered me to produce a storytelling show. So, of course, I went into my bag of tricks, pulled out some great storytellers, and go, yes, we could do this. So, it's December 18th. The slotted time frame is 2 to 6. Okay. And you and I and the other storytellers are going to be on stage around 3.30. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, great. I should give you that update. And well, now you have in yes. front of our audience. <laughs> great. <laughs> and, and this time around, instead of doing four-minute stories, five-minute stories, we're going to be able to do 15-minute stories. Right. We're always limited on time because there's usually a lot of storytellers. And if you go over five or seven minutes, it's just going to be too long a night. Mm -hmm. But to be able to really expand and not have to cut down your story, there's always so much good stuff that you could add to your story. That's what I'm hoping for. And I, I, I love the idea of this event because... Um, I, I want you to be able to just set in your story and take us with you right. and not be concerned that, oh, man, if I had said that, that would have been better. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want that moment. I want you to be like, I had everything there for them. And it's not online. It's live. Yes. There will be uh, COVID-19 protocols in right. place. We want it to be a safe experience for mm -hmm. everybody. And it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I am, too. And I just want to thank you for coming to the studio, coming to my house, and being my friend and my fellow storyteller. We have quite a community of storytellers and you're one of my favorites. So thanks for coming to do So Says Rick. Thank you.